0: Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray you'll teach us from this wonderful text this morning open our ears and hearts to receive fullness and life from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this morning, Psalm 23, again, I would say if you, if you even walked out to the city of Salem and stood in the middle of Salem today and asked people, what's one Bible passage you know? My guess is a lot of them, the first one they would point to is Psalm 23. It just seems to be one of those that that sticks with people. And if you have a funeral, you want to read Psalm 23. If you need comfort and you're going through something hard, even if you're not religious, Psalm 23 seems to kind of stick for us. It's a peace-giving psalm. It brings these beautiful images of rest, and it, it doesn't shy away from the dark parts of life, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And people appreciate that because people walk through hard times in life and it provides hope. This, this Psalm just seems to provide something unique for the modern soul, um, maybe more so than any other passage, John three sixteen and Psalm 23, maybe the two that people know the most. And so as we open up this morning, um, it's interesting to to try to preach a sermon on a text that everybody knows pretty well. Because in one sense, I'm like, well, what what more can I add to it? Um, It's so famous. You just try not to mess it up. Um, But for religious and non-religious people alike, I think the one interesting thing about this text is the image of the shepherd. So if, if we weren't using the screen and the screen was up and you've walked in the sanctuary before, you'll notice that the stained glass behind the screen is Jesus holding sheep in his arms and guiding his sheep as a shepherd. And it's interesting to think that for a, for a passage that relates to the modern soul so uniquely, it uses a really outdated metaphor, you could say, of shepherd and sheep. And the reason I say that is because I'm not sure any of you are sheep owners. I may be mistaken, but not to my knowledge, none of you have sheep. Also to my knowledge, there's no sheep pastures around me that I drive by on a consistent basis. If you were to go to Ireland, I understand it's a different story, but not here. You don't see this very often. And so it's interesting that a Psalm that uses such an ancient metaphor or a distant metaphor speaks so profoundly to a modern person. And so maybe just an opening thought for you, just to get your brain up to speed with this text, is if you were to insert a new word into the beginning of Psalm 23 that would maybe apply to the modern world, what would you insert? The Lord is my blank. A shepherd is someone who leads, protects and provides. And is a person who is humble yet has great authority, who is strong and yet sacrificial and gentle, who is purposeful yet deeply personal to his sheep. And so if you were to to think of a 2022 Metaphor, or a similar something to a shepherd that maybe would apply to New England in 2022? What could that be? So I, I allowed my mind to go down that track a little bit this week. And I, as I began to think of it, you know, I was like, trust is so important. Uh, when it comes to a shepherd, a shepherd is just a trustworthy image. So when you think about a shepherd, you think of someone who's trustworthy. And I found a, 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 a poll done by the Gallup group that every year does a poll on the most trustworthy professions in the world. Have any of you all seen this? And you know what the number one most trusted profession for the 20th year in a row is? (laughs) Not a car salesman. (laughs) The number one most trusted profession for the 20th year in a row is a nurse, a nurse, which kudos to Bonnie and to other nurses we've had in our midst. 20th year in a row, medical doctor is number two, grade school teacher, number three, pharmacist, number four, military officer is number five. Those are the top five. And so those are kind of getting us there. If you were to go out to someone and say, maybe they don't know what a shepherd is, but maybe they know a nurse or a medical doctor. Um, Did you know at one time Pastor was as high as 67% for people in terms of a trustworthy profession, trustworthy people. And now pastor is at 36% in terms of trustworthiness. I got some work to do. We all got some work to do. We got to build some trust again. But it shows how, how the times have changed, right, in terms of how religion is viewed, how a pastor is, is viewed. And you know the word pastor is just a biblical image of shepherd someone who pastures their people and so it's an interesting kind of tension i found myself in this week that a pastor is a shepherd and yet is viewed so with un with with untrusting eyes untrusting ears in our modern day and so the point of today is is not to to convince you who the shepherd is um, but i was thinking maybe today if, if the point is to is to build trust uh What's the best way to do that? And that's why I decided to name the the sermon today, My Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. If there's one word that stuck out from this text the most to me this week, it's the shortest word in the whole text, and it's the word my. It's only two letters, but to me, it, it is of profound importance. The Lord is the shepherd. I believe that. But more importantly, he's my shepherd, personal to me. And so if you're okay with it, I'd like to do the sermon today from my perspective. Um, you may say, Stephen, you do that every week. Uh, I guess you're right on one level. But today I'm going to give you a little bit more of my personal experience with the shepherd and how this text has spoken to me through the years and walked with me Um And then I'd I'd be encouraging you to be considering how how has the Lord been your shepherd? Um, Or to invite you, if he's not, to consider him as your shepherd as well. So I'll give you a couple of points this morning. Um, I'm going to use the text as my outline, but try to be as personal as I can with it. first point is my shepherd has known where to lead me throughout my life. So if you look at verses two and three, David, the shepherd here, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The shepherd is a humble yet authoritative person. Um, My shepherd, Jesus, has, has known where to lead me in my life, even when I didn't know where to go. So, like I said earlier, a a shepherd is humble. A shepherd in in ancient times was not not an an elite job. It was a it was a commoner's job. Uh, It it wasn't a merchant or a property owner or someone that made a lot of money. It was an ordinary, kind of rough and tough job, a blue collar type of job. And yet, this is how God chooses to refer to Himself metaphorically in the scriptures is as the chief shepherd. He bends down into my meager life and he meets me there. He doesn't ask me to climb up to some elite place to find him. He comes to me as a shepherd, as a blue collar worker. So on the front of your bulletin is kind of a challenging question. It says, when you see Jesus descending the staircase of humility to be a shepherd, Do you follow him to that low place or do you pass him on the way up? Interesting thought, right? Oftentimes I've said this a few times throughout the months. We feel like maybe in our life, we have to climb the staircase to get to God in the CEO's office or something where Jesus has always been outside tending the sheep, caring for those who are in need of a shepherd, showing those where to go and that he's, He's authoritative. He knows where to guide us, just like a good shepherd does. He knows what he's doing and he does so in, in humility, humbleness. So he leads, I think through, uh, I'll, I'll use a couple of words here to help kind of guide this in terms of how he's led me. The four words that are kind of come into mind are rest, renewal, restoration, righteousness. And they come from the text here. Let me just give you a little bit of experience from me, rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. My story is one of of many, probably in the modern world, where I've I've found myself throughout the years striving for purpose, striving to be someone who 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 makes a difference in the world, who does something extraordinary, who isn't wasting his life, um, who tried to to work hard to do something of significance. And so, when I was a teenager, that was through. Trying to be the next sports super superstar, being a basketball player or something, you know, watching my heroes on TV and trying to be that. And then when my growth spurt stopped at five, ten and three quarters, I realized that probably wasn't gonna go too far. So then it turned into, well, as a teenager, just try not to make the big mistake. Try not to to mess up your life early. Just try to stay on the straight and narrow. And then it turned into, well, just try to get into a good college. So you can make a name for yourself in a good college, and then it turned into well, try to just find the best job that can set you up to have a great life. And so striving for purpose, and then along the way, there's these these near misses that we all have in life. You know, flirts with with death or exhaustion. You know, I had a really significant car accident when I was 17 years old that I walked away unscathed from, but it jars you because you're like, wow. It could have been gone in an instant. And then just being exhausted by all these different adventures, trying to find purpose. And it feels like you're never at the end of the, the search for purpose. And then it turns into, you get to a place where you're in your early 20s and you're thinking, you know, I just wanna be me. I just wanna do what I think is right. And so you have these moments of rebellion And so I have one very clear moment in my college life where I was like, I'm going to make my own path and forget what my parents taught me, forget what the Bible says, and just go do what I want to do. All that to say is my tendency for so much of my early life, and I'm still young, I acknowledge that, so I still have a lot of this coming, but my tendency has has been to not walk towards green pastures. My tendency has been to I'm going to go find my own pasture, and I don't know if it's green or not, but I'm going to find it on my own because I don't really know what's best for me. I'm just going to go try to find it. And my story has been probably similar to every Christian story, not one of me finding the green pasture myself, but of God finding me, directing me, and taking me to the green pasture. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That, that phrase makes me, is striking to me. God found me in the midst of my empty pursuits and took me and told me to lay down in the green pastures. Not that I found it on my own. Empty pursuits. So that's the rest part. Renewal is the second part. And this part is where it says, he leads me beside still waters. You know what renewal means? It just means that you're You're thirsty and you need something to spark you again. Even after you lay down in green pastures, we need places where we can fulfill our thirst. Just like sheep do. You know, God has given me places throughout my life where, um, again, even after I've laid down in the green pasture, even after he's so graciously directed me to the place of rest, I've still wandered away and tried to find something else and I find myself thirsty again I find myself in need again and God has has continually given me places of renewal for having my thirst quenched and in some sense this is places Um, so for instance in two weeks my family's going to take a vacation which is a, a chance for renewal And we always, at least once a year, go on vacation to North Carolina, where my parents are, because they have a house in the mountains, which is a place of renewal for our soul. It's a literal place where we can go and be refreshed. We love to go to Crane Beach when we're here in the summertime, because it's a place of renewal. It's a place of rest. Um, But even more so, it's the daily renewal that the Word of God brings. It's the day-by-day coming to the fountain of living water and drinking from that spring again, the fountain of life, the Word of God. He leads me beside still waters to restore our soul. And that's the third one. The third one is restoration. He restores my soul. And you know, let me just give give a give a little bit of an explanation about sheep for a moment. Does anybody have any experience with sheep? Anybody ever hung out with sheep or read anything about sheep? Um, a couple of folks have. I was doing a little bit of reading about sheep this week, and I discovered, again, that sheep are not the, the most intellectual of the ground animals. They, they struggle with knowing the right thing to do or the right place to go. They tend to rebel and wander off, if not guided. And they're brought back only when the shepherd grabs them and brings them back to where they need to go. And if the sheep fall over, they can tend to be a little bit like a turtle that falls over, meaning they can't quite get themselves back up by themselves because they're so top heavy and their legs are so short. Um, The shepherd has to pick them up. The shepherd alone can restore a sheep back and put them on their feet and get them going. My story is a person who has fallen over and can't get up on my own either. And I'm sure yours are as well. And the reason for that is sin and brokenness and just the reality of being a person who is is unable to be independent spiritually. And so when sins knock you down and you can't get back up off of it and you wonder, am I ever going to get through this sin? The shepherd restores my soul. I've been spiritually drawn away to idols or to false identities, just like anybody else has. And there's been moments of just beautiful restoration throughout life. The first one is when I came to know Christ for the first time. I grew up in a Christian family, grew up going to church. Um, But again, all of us have a moment where you choose to put your faith in Jesus. It's not something someone else can decide for, it's you, a one-on-one encounter with God. And the first clear moment I can remember, as innocent as it was, and as, as silly as even it sounds now, was when I was 10 years old, sitting on my grandparents' back porch in their lake house in North Carolina. Lake house is probably putting it a little bit too extravagantly. It was a house that was near a lake. Um, but I was sitting on the back porch by myself and my mind began to consider things that I had been taught growing up. And I remember praying to God in that moment, Jesus, I want to believe in you. I want want to be yours. I want to be a follower of you. That was the first moment of restoration in my life, of feeling like being flat on my back to now having a hope and a purpose. But other moments of restoration come after those initial conversion moments, Um, intense moments of restoration, whether at Conferences, or retreats or trips to faraway places or moments of stillness in my own house where I just feel like God picks me back up and says, Stephen, you're okay. This sin or this darkness or this overwhelmed feeling is not gonna overtake you. I'm with you. He restores my soul. And the word of God does that. And the spirit of God does that continually over and over because the shepherd goes out to his people. He descends the staircase and finds us. Christian community and the church, people coming to you at the right time with the right words and the right encouragement to say, you're not alone. Whatever you're experiencing, it doesn't have to be the final answer. God uses others to convict us and to encourage us. And the last point for this this first part about how God leads us is this word righteousness. So rest, renewal, restoration, righteousness. Righteousness. Look look at how it's described here. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Again, God the shepherd leads us. He goes before us, paths of righteousness. There are are many paths in life. And you all know this because you've probably been down some of the same paths I've been down. Probably other ones too. Maybe more adventuresome paths, maybe more lonely paths. There are many paths in life and sheep need to go down the right path because as we've already learned, sheep have a tendency to wander and sheep are not four-wheel drive characters, right? Sheep, sheep are probably preferred to walk on the smoother path because of the type of animals they are. They're kind of top heavy, they're wobbly, and so rocks or bumps don't, don't do well for them. And yet it's, it's best for the shepherd that sheep go on the right path. Not only is it best for the sheep, but it's actually best for the shepherd too. Do you see here? It says he leads me in paths of righteousness, or right ways. Righteousness just means right ways. He leads me on the right ways for His name's sake, for God's name's sake, for the Shepherd's name's sake, so that the Shepherd's reputation and status is is well thought of. Think about if you. So let's let's use another a modern metaphor. Some of you guys have been school crossing guards for instance and so your job is to get kids from one side of the road to the other in a organized safe way and if they make it in an organized safe way people say that's a good crossing guard if the children begin to wander off of the path and into danger people say that's a bad crossing guard maybe we shouldn't put them at the high traffic zones. Maybe we should put them in a safer spot because they're still struggling to figure out their job. It's the same here for the shepherd. The shepherd's reputation is known by the paths that his sheep stay on. And this is where the Christian church has struggled in the last half century, quarter century, last decade, as many of the sheep have gone off the path of righteousness. And it's now reflecting poorly on the shepherd himself. So churches are smaller in numbers. Pews are more empty in part because the shepherd has lost reputation because of wayward sheep. But God leads us on a path of righteousness because it's good for us. It keeps us safe, but it's also for his glory so that he might be well known and made known. There's a a great quote by a a pastor, John Piper, who says, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. And so apply that to this image here. We are most satisfied when we are safe, when we are on the right path, when we are on the smooth and narrow path that God intends for the the good of his sheep. So not only are we satisfied in that moment because we're away from danger, but God is most glorified in that as well. And if you widen that a little bit more, it means basically when you trust in God and trust that his ways are best, you are deeply fulfilled and he is deeply fulfilled. And that's the way life is meant to be lived. God leads us because we can't lead ourselves. For the contemplatives in the room, maybe the more intellectual or deeper thinkers, I'll put it this way. This is a quote from a um, an old theologian and he's, he puts it this way he says the most dangerous man in the world is the contemplative who is guided by nobody he trusts his own visions he obeys the attraction of an interior voice but will not listen to other men he identifies the will of god with anything that makes him feel within his own heart a big warm sweet interior glow such a man can wreck a whole city or even a whole nation. I would just tell you, beware of the little voice inside you that wants to go your own way and carve your own path. Cause it probably is not going to be as smooth and as good for you as you think. Trust the shepherd, trust the path that he takes you on. Cause he's done that for me too. I've tried some of those other paths as well. And They're darker and scarier and more dangerous than they look. These next two points will be shorter. um, But let me give you just a little bit of of personal touch into them for me. You know, the the second part here where it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, um, one of the things I've grown to appreciate about God being my shepherd is that he doesn't avoid the darkness. But when we go into the darkness, he's with us. I think other religions have a tendency to teach that if you follow this God or this deity or this spirituality, that life will just be in the light your whole life. And that if anything bad happens, it's because you're doing something wrong. Whereas Christianity teaches that even when the bad things come, it doesn't mean that God isn't there. It just means that he's right there with you through it. And this is maybe the part that most people know the most about Psalm 23. This is the one that's, that's recited at funerals because it brings comfort. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Where has Jesus been for me in times of danger? In times of fear or danger, God has continually shown me time and time again that he's with me. And I'm going to speak to a couple of things here that are not meant to scare you, but almost just meant to to build a transparency with you of the things that a lot of people in this world are going through today. And that's things like anxiety or depression or fear of what's going to happen in our world. Those are all things that I have personally experienced myself. Those are things that I still deal with on a somewhat consistent basis. And so if you're dealing with anxiety, depression, fear, uncertainty, you're not alone. You are not alone. Mental struggles, mental health issues are so prominent in the world today. And yet even still, God is not disappearing in the midst of those times. God walks with us through the valley of, of the shadow of death, or the shadow of darkness, the low places. God walks through those places with us to bring us into a deeper and fuller and realer experience of himself. And it adds in the second part here about, you know, his staff and his rod are with me for comfort. Um, It's just the beautiful image of what a shepherd does to protect his sheep. So again, through those dark places, God provides his comforting presence to pick up sheep in the presence of wolves or enemies or danger. I think of Luke chapter 10. Jesus says in one of these, you know, prominent places, he says to his disciples, I send you out as uh, sheep amidst wolves. You know, he knows where he's sending them is a place where there's danger and there's trouble. But he says, that's where my sheep are to go because sheep with the shepherd are able to withstand wolves and enemies and danger. God's people are designed to be people who are in the presence of enemies so they can bring blessing and peace and bring kingdom purposes amidst where they are. And I just think back to my own story again, just to bring it to a personal place for a second. My, my most profound moments of clarity as to what God has called me to in life have come in places where there have been the least amount of Christians. So it hasn't been in the Christian school. It hasn't been even necessarily in the church where I've received the most clarity as to my calling. So to give an example where I first felt a call to ministry, to ministry leadership, to maybe being a pastor was when I was serving in a Muslim majority country during a summer in college, surrounded by 99% people who worshiped a different God. And it was in that moment, in the presence of my enemies, you could say, not that we were attacking them or they were attacking us, but just in a presence of a difference, God provides his clarity. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. You know, and Jesus shows us you know, to the uttermost how he walks through the valley of the shadow of death for us you know, by going to the cross. Jesus proves that he is sufficient to walk with us because he walked the ultimate way himself the place of ultimate pain and sorrow and abandonment to pay our penalties so that we might live forever. And this is my last point here. Um, The last part of Psalm 23 ends with profound hope. You know, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever my shepherd because of those experiences in my short life so far my shepherd promises to deliver me no matter what is coming in front of me he promises to deliver me i i have a friend a really good friend who's a ups truck driver uh, in the north shore area and he he so happens to deliver packages to my street where we live and do you know how assuring it is to, to know the person who's bringing your packages, to know that he's a trustworthy person, that he's a timely person, that he's a responsible person, to know that I could text him and say, where is my package? I know it should have been coming and it says it should have been here, but it's not. I know that my friend will deliver that package to me because I know him, he's trustworthy. We have We have relationship together. We have experience of life together. I know he will deliver. And I know that God will deliver me because I know him. I know the shepherd. I know the experiences of life that I just mentioned, just in brief, some of the ones already. But God will surely deliver me to himself because he has been my shepherd. He is watching over me, he's providing for me, he's leading me. And he has ultimate unfinished plans for me that I'm excited to see that I know he will fulfill. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Not only does the shepherd go in front, but what follows me, behind me, again, before and behind, is his goodness and mercy. That is is the wake of God's love. The shepherd walks in front. I follow him. I see him. I confidently know that where he's walking, I want to walk because I've learned that the other paths are not the good paths. And I look behind me, and all I see is goodness and mercy, I could choose to walk other ways, and I still do from time to time. Probably more so than I'm admitting up front. But goodness and mercy follows behind. And it reminds me that trusting in Jesus is good because he's got me on all sides. And he's got you on all sides. The final promise of life is eternal life. I have no guarantee of that because I haven't been to heaven but i have deep trust in god because of who he's been in my life for me. we will dwell in his house forever. revelation 7:17 7, points us ahead to the final day and it says this the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and god will wipe away every tear from their eyes. the lamb is the shepherd. The lamb who sacrificially, humbly laid himself down for the for the many, for sheep like you and me, also is the shepherd who is guiding us. And he will lead us to his eternal dwelling forever. So that's a little bit of my experience of the shepherd. And I invite you to consider who is your shepherd as well. Who is the one, or what is the one, or the things that are acting as your shepherd in your life that bring you leading and comfort and peace and ultimate certainty in what is to come. What are they doing for you? Who is your shepherd? Close with this. When we moved to Massachusetts a year and a half ago from the many miles away in New Hampshire, we had to move 20 miles, but we had to get new everything because we were in Massachusetts now. So we had to get all these things transferred over, including license plates, you know, get a new car registration, a new driver's license. And so, um, we came to Massachusetts, we had to do the car registration and we were going to get assigned a license plate. And when we were going to get our new license plate, uh, you know, you're kind of a little bit in fear and trepidation because you don't know what the, the numbers and letterings are gonna be. And um, we're sitting there and they slide the license plate to us. And maybe some of you have noticed this, but the license plate on our car is one, the number one, yes, 99. One, yes, 99. Which we're looking at it and we're like, that's interesting. And if you know your Bible, a little bit. Well, if if you don't, I'll read it to you now. Um, There's a passage in the Gospel of Luke that talks about Jesus being the shepherd. Uh, It's in Luke 15, and it's called the parable of the lost sheep. And the story goes like this. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he has found it. So here we are looking at this license plate, one, yes, 99, and saying that God has has, has just spoken to us through a Massachusetts license plate that we are called to be people that are emulating God's heart to to go after the one, go after those that are lost and need to be brought back in and find the path that God has for them. But not only that, that's that—that's that, that's where my ministry mind went for a while. It's like, okay, this is our ministry purpose. But as I began to look at this license plate day after day, week after week, year after year now, I'm not only looking at the one as somebody else, but I'm also looking at the one as me. That Jesus left the 99 that were safe and came after me when I was wandering. He comes after me when I wander away. So it's not only reassuring to me that he loves me and he's my shepherd, but also that he spurs us to go and do the same for others so that our our flock together can be safe and secure and be led by God. May we be like Jacob, who at the end of his days in Genesis 48, when he was blessing Joseph, his son, said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all of my life, even until this day. May that be us. May God be our shepherd until the end of our days. Let me close us in prayer and we'll sing one more song. God, thank you for being our good shepherd who personally comes to us, every one of us, uniquely Bringing us into the flock, guiding us on your path, leading us to green pastures, to still waters, to places of restoration and renewal. So that we might live life to the fullest as thriving sheep. We feel the tendency, I feel the tendency in my own heart, to be someone who wanders. And I'm sure many in this room feel that same way too. But you gently lead us. So Lord, we we look to you. Would you lead us and guide us? Be our shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.